Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. joining Killam Apartment Reads Q2 2021 conference call. I am here today with Robert Richardson, Executive Vice President, Dale Noseworthy, Chief Financial Officer, and Aaron Cleveland, Senior Vice President of Finance, and Nancy Alexander, Vice President of Investor Relations and Sustainability. Slides to accompany today's call are available on the Investor Relations section of our website under Events and Presentations. I will now ask Nancy to read our cautionary statement. Thank you, Phil. This presentation may contain forward-looking statements with respect to Kilm Apartment REIT and its operations, strategies, financial performance, conditions, or otherwise. The actual results and performance of Kilm discussed here today could differ materially from those expressed or implied by such statements. Such statements are qualified in their entirety by the inherent risks and uncertainties surrounding forward-looking statements. For further information about the inherent risks and uncertainties in respect of forward-looking statements, please refer to KILM's most recent annual information form and other securities regulatory filings found online on CDAR. Unless otherwise stated, all forward-looking statements made today speak only as of today's date. Unless otherwise stated, all forward-looking statements speak only as of the date of which this presentation refers, and the parties have no obligation to update such statements. Thank you, Nancy. We are very pleased with our strong financial and operating results for Q2 2021. We are hopeful that all non-vaccinated Canadians will continue to book appointments to receive their first or second dose and that provincial restrictions will be lifted by this fall. Nonetheless, we are seeing increased leasing activity throughout our portfolio and increased activity in our seasonal MHC in commercial businesses. Our 2021 targets are outlined on slide three, showing the year-to-date performance. We have made good progress in the first six months of 2021 with all of our targets. We produced positive same property net operating income growth for the 29th consecutive quarter and increased our same property NOI target to exceed 3.5%, up from our initial target of plus 2%. Dale will take us through Kellum's second quarter financial results, followed by Robert, who will discuss our recent acquisitions. I will conclude with progress on both our newly completed developments and development pipeline. I will now hand it over to Dale. Thanks, Phil. Highlights of Kellum's solid Q2 financial results can be found on slide four. 
strong fundamentals for the multifamily rental market is reflected in both same property growth and $134 million in fair value gains on investment properties following cap rate compression in Ontario, Nova Scotia, and Victoria, BC. Overall, we achieved net income of $136.7 million, 3.8% FFO per unit growth, and 4.5% AFFO per unit growth in the quarter. Killam's AFFO payout ratio decreased 400 basis points in Q2 to 75%. Please refer to slide 5. Killam's same property portfolio achieved 4.5% NOI growth in the quarter and a 20 basis point improvement in operating margin from the second quarter last year. Year-to-date, same property NOI is up 3.6%. Killam's key revenue levers are charted on page 6. Apartment leasing and occupancy have been trending up since the beginning of 2021, and we achieved 96.9% same property occupancy in Q2. Rental rates were also higher in the quarter, up 3.1% from June 2020. Although we've seen an uptick in rental incentives in the last year, these incentive offerings remain limited to 0.7% of rental revenue and are currently focused primarily in Alberta, and specific properties with occupancy challenges. In addition to top-line growth from our apartment portfolio, we realized strong revenue growth from both our MHC and commercial portfolios. Revenue for our MHC portfolio was up 8.5%, driven primarily by our seasonal resorts, which realized revenue growth of 20%, as we didn't face the same COVID-related operating delays and capacity restrictions as last spring. For the commercial portfolio, same property revenue was up 4.5% following new leasing activity and a reduction in COVID-19 related tenant abatements versus Q2 2020. Killam's sweet repositioning program is an important revenue driver that has remained resilient during the pandemic. Slide 7 shows that we are on track to meet our target of 550 repositionings for 2021. Of the 287 repositionings completed in the first half of the year, the average investment of $25,000 resulted in an average ROI of 13%. Killam only commences repositionings once its units become vacant. The capital investment on these repositions not only support rental growth and attractive return, but can also improve the efficiency and modernization of the property. With unit repositioning, processes, designs, and trusted contractors in place, we are successfully completing and releasing most of these repositioned units in under a month. Turning to operating expenses on slide 8, we realized a 3.3% increase in the same property expenses for the quarter as to higher general operating expenses were modestly offset by lower overall property tax expenses. The operating expense increase was largely due to higher on-site staff salaries and higher repair and maintenance work versus the same period in 2020, in part due to COVID-19-related restrictions last year. Slide 9 highlights our debt maturity profile, including average apartment mortgage rates by year versus prevailing CMHC-insured mortgage rates. We realized a 69 basis point reduction in interest rates on $14.9 million of maturing debt in the quarter based on current CMHC-insured mortgage rates of between 1.8% and 2%, we expect to continue to refinance at lower rates for mortgages maturing during the remainder of the year. 
We continue to manage our balance sheet conservatively, as charted on slide 10. Debt as a percentage of total assets was 44.5% at June 30th, below our target for the year of less than 47%. In addition, Kilm finished the quarter with acquisition capacity of over $250 million. I will now turn the call over to Robert, who will provide color on our recent acquisitions. Thank you, Dale, and good morning, everyone. Please refer to slide 11. Kiln continues to expand its portfolio coast to coast, and today we own more than 18,000 apartment units, 5,800 MHC sites in 39 communities, and approximately 1 million square feet of commercial premises. Kiln houses over 35,000 residents, and these residents are 700 employees, value unit holders, and broader stakeholders are kept top of mind when we execute Kiln's long-term growth strategy, specifically growing earnings from our existing portfolio, acquiring accretive properties as we diversify our portfolio geographically, and developing high-energy-efficient, high-quality properties in our core markets. Kiln has made impressive gains with each of its three growth strategies year-to-date in 2021. Q2 2021 was a record quarter for acquisitions, led by a purchase in Ontario. Our core Ontario markets include Ottawa, the GTA, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, and London. We anticipate acquisitions plus new developments will make 2021 a year of record growth for Killam's asset base. On June 30, 2021, we closed on a 785-unit portfolio in Kitchener, Waterloo, Please refer to slides 12 through 15 for acquisition details. The acquisition price was $191 million and represents a cap rate of approximately 3.5%. It was completed with cash on hand plus new first mortgage financings, totally $123 million, having a weighted average interest rate of 2.08%. We are very pleased to add this 11-building portfolio to our KWC asset base. These properties have been exceptionally well-maintained are in sought-after neighborhoods and provide excellent opportunities for Kilm's sweet repositioning program. Recent leasing activity highlights the portfolio's strength and underlies the ability to move rents on turnover. Slide 12 shows the estates, a 137-unit mid-rise concrete building in Kitchener that is currently 99% occupied with average in-place rents of $1.53 per square foot or $1,320 per month. Market rents on turnover are more in the $1.70 range. The next slide profiles Heritage Place, which consists of two mid-rise buildings totaling 160 units in Kitchener. It is fully occupied with an average in-place rent of $1.10 per square foot or $1,200 per month, with new leasing generating rents in the $1.50 range. Slide 14 has Northfield Gardens, which consists of six four-story buildings totaling 274 units in the North Waterloo neighborhood. It is fully occupied with in-place rents of $1.49 per square foot or $1,200 per month. New leasing supports $1.90 per square foot rents. Slide 15 highlights Ridgeway and Somerset, consisting of two nine-story buildings totaling 214 units in Kitchener. It is 99% occupied with in-place average rents of $1.58 per square foot, or $1,170 per month. We are generating releasing rental rates more in the $1.85 per square foot range. The KWC region is one of the fastest growing regions in Ontario over the last several years, and is, on average, younger than most communities in Canada and Ontario. 
with incomes that are ranked amongst the highest in Ontario. It has undergone major renovations and revitalizations in downtown residential and commercial buildings to house its growing technology and innovation sector that counts Google, Toyota, and OpenText as some of its largest employers, to name a few. The region was ranked fourth overall out of 20 locations in Canada as surveyed in CBRE's 2020 Scoring Tech Talent Report, ranking it first place for quality of labor and talent quality to cost metrics. By the way, Halifax scored 8% overall on the same survey. KWC has a large university base, being home to the University of Waterloo and Wolford Laurier University, and boasts improved transportation infrastructure with its new light rail transit system, plus the all-day GO Transit rail service in, to Toronto. All these attributes make KWC more attractive to residents choosing to live outside the GTA, especially in a hybrid employment model that embraces working remotely. Slide 16 shows a map of Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. The green balloons represent assets that Killam has owned in this region prior to our recent $191 million acquisition. These highlighted properties include 440 units in four apartment buildings in Cambridge, two of which were built in the last six years, as well as Westmount Place, a 300,000-square-foot commercial property with its national grocer-anchored retail plaza and office tower. More importantly, this site has two acres of residential development opportunity on which we plan to break ground in late 2021. Phase one will have 139 units and ultimately, Killam expects to build 1,050 units at this site. The blue balloons indicate Killam's newly acquired assets. Three clusters are in Kitchener and one is in Waterloo. This brings our total residential units in KWC currently to 1,225. The red balloons highlight Killam's future growth from its development pipeline. Currently underway is the 169-unit Civic 66 in Kitchener, which will be completed in late 2022, and phase one of the residential development for Westmount Place noted earlier. Taken all together, once completed, Kilm's portfolio of residential units in KWC should exceed 2,450 units. We are committed to growth in this urban center, as well as expanding our presence in our other core markets in Ontario. Also, during the quarter, Kiln purchased an additional 25% interest in Charlottetown Mall, taking Kiln's total ownership now to 75%. As well, Kiln added a 40-unit apartment building in St. John's, Newfoundland. Both are shown on slide 17. Charlottetown Mall is a stabilized, grocery-anchored, enclosed mall located on 32 acres in Charlottetown adjacent to the University of Prince Edward Island campus. Kiln's former joint venture partner, Rio Can Reed, sold their 50% interest on June 1st, and Kilm acquired its additional 25% interest for $10.1 million. The remaining 25% interest was sold to a local PEI real estate company, APM McLean. This local partner is strategic as it brings a regional leasing perspective, further development expertise, and community-level involvement to assist in revitalizing the center. Kilm now manages the mall and is identifying opportunities to reduce the property's operating expenses and carbon footprint in the near term. The 40-unit, four-story apartment in St. John's, Newfoundland is located beside an existing Killam property. Killam paid $4.2 million for 38 Pasadena Crescent, which is fully occupied and has average monthly rents of $860. Before Philip concludes the formal part of this conference call with his development update, I want to reiterate Killam's commitment to the continued health and safety of its employees, residents, commercial tenants, and communities. 
Comes COVID-19 management has included policies and procedures to reduce the spread of the virus, and this commitment is ongoing. We offer in-office rapid COVID-19 testing are pleased to report very high rates of vaccinations amongst our staff. We greatly appreciate the excellent work and dedication of our committed employees across the country, especially these last 16 months. Well, I'll hand you back to Philip. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Leasing activity has been very strong for our three recently completed developments. As shown on slide 19, we have all but two units of the 349 units leased today. All three had a short and successful lease period despite the COVID-19 environment. Impressively, they are contributing to FFO growth with six months, within six months of completion and during Q2 generated 0.3 million of FFO. Slide 20 shows the operating margins in the in annual NOI contribution of these assets. For the second half of 2021, the three properties are projected to produce $1.2 million of FFO, and for the 2022, approximately $3 million of FFO. Our development pipeline provides us with an excellent opportunity to add high-quality real estate assets to our portfolio. Currently, we have five developments underway in the following cities, Halifax, Mississauga, Kitchener, and two in Ottawa. Slide 21 shows the 497 units, which will add $240 million of new properties to our balance sheet over the next 18 months. The $240 million is the total cost, not the IFRS value of these high-quality assets. Killam has invested $60 million of equity into these developments, and we expect to achieve approximately seven to eight cents of FFO per unit on a fully stabilized basis. We are pre-leasing the K in Mississauga and the Latitude in Ottawa, and expect both to be open by Q1 2022. As shown on slide 30, the first phase of Westmount in Waterloo is expected to commence construction in Q4 of 2021. This is a 139-unit development and will be located at the corner of Herb and Deep Street and is next door to our existing westbound plaza. We are building in markets where the demand is strong and the market cap rate compression is still allowing for a healthy 50 to 150 basis point spread between construction yields and market cap rates. For reference, slide 31 breaks down Killam's future development pipeline totaling approximately 4,000 units or $1.3 billion in new product that is in various stages of development or pre-development. I am pleased to report that yesterday the Board of Trustees approved a two cent per unit increase in the distribution, bringing the annualized unit holder distribution to 70 cents per year and making it the fifth consecutive year of a distribution increase. To conclude, I want to thank our residents, employees, and unit holders for their support and investment in Killam. I am very pleased with our ability to make meaningful progress in all of our priorities and create value for our unit holders. Thank you. I will now open up the call for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer period. If you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. 
One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Mark Rothschild with Canaccord. Please go ahead. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thanks, Dan. Good morning, everyone. Uh, in regards Good morning, to the, morning. Thanks. In regards to the development um, portfolio, it's obviously leased up well. Can you just talk a little bit about how the rents were versus your pro forma? And also, if there was any thought or impact on the rents that you were charging um, with considering that government rent controls have been getting stricter and perhaps could be stricter for longer? Um, the first part of that question, our pro forma is what we started pre-leasing. We kept those throughout the whole sort of lease-up period once it was open on all three um, developments. And the second part, um, you know, we're, we're, we believe that those rents are market rents today. And um, basically one of the properties is in PEI that does have rent control. Uh, one is in, in Alberta. There's no signs of rent control, and we believe that uh, rent control is not in the, the picture for Nova Scotia as well. Okay, great, thanks. And then maybe this question might be for Dale, I'm not sure, but can you talk a little bit more about the process this quarter with arriving at the cap rate and fair value change, um, and to what extent do you believe uh, that's really reflective of current markets? Obviously, it's a sizable move. Yeah, sure, we would have looked at a lot of... Um you know, we know there's been some sizable transactions in those markets where we took those gains. Certainly, we found a lot of competition when we, uh, with our acquisition um, in the Kitchener-Waterloo region, but you've seen some of our peers buying in London and Victoria as well. So, um, you know, we felt there was looking looking at what uh, cap rates those traded at. Um, a lot of time spent um, digesting that and looking at which of our assets fall into those categories. So that was a big driver for us. So I think in those markets, based on the information that we have, uh, we feel that the cap rates that we've picked are reasonable, um, but it's been pretty specific in those markets when we looked in the quarter. And then in addition to that, you know, we, you would have seen our revenue growth on the rents, so that's always a factor, too, that comes into play when we look at those fair value gains. So those increases, of course, um, are more across the, the portfolio, as you would have seen reported, but those specific areas, um, they relate to the transaction activity we've been seeing. Okay, great, thanks so much. Your next question comes from Jonathan Pletcher with TD. Please go ahead. Thanks, uh, good morning. Um, good morning. First, questions, first question's just on, uh, Phil, you're talking about you've started pre-leasing at the uh, K and Latitude. How, how is that going? Um, it's going as, as, as we expect. Um, basically, we have some already have signed up, um, but again, it's a little bit early, but we, we started these two properties earlier than we typically do. So we're very pleased of, of the interest in both properties. Okay. Um, and then just switching gears, I guess, on, on Kitchener, Rob, you, you outlined uh, very good uplifts there. Does, 
does that include your re repositioning program or is your would your repositioning program be on top of that um, yeah the repositioning program would be on top of that 100 percent we didn't do any repositionings with those increases okay and what and what's the turnover like uh, in, in those properties how long will it take you to sort of realize those those gains we haven't had it long enough to really know the turnover at this time, Jonathan. We need a bit more time with the portfolio. We can answer that for you next quarter, maybe. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure I ask it next quarter. And then, then <laughs> lastly, just, uh, just um, Dale, I guess on, the R&M was higher uh, in the quarter, and obviously that's due to a catch-up from COVID. What, what can we expect there for the balance of the year? Or in what in terms of what and what? Well, is R and M going to be? Is it is it going to? Oh, R and M. Sorry. No, I, yeah. I think what you saw in Q2 is not representative of what you'll see the rest of the year. You know, when we look at Q2 last year, uh, we got a lot of very extreme differences of what was happening in Q2. So I think you can expect much more uh, moderate expense growth uh, for the second half of the year. Okay, that's uh, that's it for me. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Would you guys be able to give us some color on how your leasing velocity is trending into the kind of fall leasing season, and maybe some color on where the committed occupancy for the portfolio is tracking for August and September? Uh, yeah, I can say that we've uh, the velocity has been <laughs> we've had it's been really strong on the leasing front, and when we look in terms of um, the fall numbers, are looking are looking strong, and I'd say kind of more in line with what we would have seen uh, two years ago before COVID. Um, we've even seen those students come back sooner um, than we would have when we look at those student-focused markets. Um, you know, we saw a big push in in May and June, um, kind of earlier than we would normally see. So we're feeling pretty bullish on uh, on the occupancy trending um, for the fall, and I can say even when we look, you know, over the last number, well, I guess the last six months, seven months, we've seen those occupancies improving every month. Uh, and Peninsula Halifax is one we've talked about on the call since uh, this time last year when we started to see um, a little bit more of the vacancy um, kick in because of students staying home, um, and we've seen that come back in a big way, um, just as one example. But And St. John's is another one. We've made fantastic gains in the St. John's market. You would have seen that in our numbers this quarter, and that trend is continuing as well. So um, overall, it's, uh, there's lots happening on the leasing front. In terms of any of those differences by region, would you say there is more strength in some of those harder-hit segments, or is it fairly equal across the board in terms of demand? I mean, I'd say that, um, you know, St. John's is one that we've seen uh, that, that is standing out compared to where it was. I don't think it's totally equal across, but I'd say that we are starting to see more movement in the downtown um, of Alberta than we had seen. Uh, I don't think it's quite what we're seeing in Halifax and some other regions, but it's definitely stronger. So not totally even, but... Um, I'd say improvements is pretty consistent across the board. 
And, and the two areas Dale just mentioned would be our two weakest in our complete portfolio, sort of the downtown, Alberta cities, and St. John's. Appreciate that, Phil. Uh, maybe changing gears a little bit towards your same property and a Y target. Would you be able to give us some color on how your outlook breaks down by segment for your apartment, MHC, and uh, commercial portfolios? Uh, sure. For yeah, So when we look at the apartments, I mean, I think that, um, you know, that one probably kind of three to four range when we look for the second half of the year. I think we're seeing those rent increases we've seen already are going to continue and we have some occupancy gains to be made on that front. And uh, as I already mentioned, we're not going to see the same expense pressures we saw in the second quarter. I think on commercial and MHCs, those could uh, have the potential to be higher than the apartments. On the MHCs, we were still those seasonals. You saw that big lift in this quarter on the seasonal assets. Um, Q3 last year, we were still dealing with COVID. And um, I mean, we're still dealing with COVID, of course, but on the seasonals, we would have felt it more last Q3. And commercial, we've had good lease-ups on our commercial spaces. So I think all those things are going to come into play that those uh, segments have the potential to outperform apartments in the second half. Well, I appreciate the commentary. I'll turn the call back. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. Your next question comes from Joanne Chen with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, just maybe on that, um, could you talk to uh, some of the drivers that you're seeing that drove such a big improvement in your St. John and New Brunswick uh, market? Uh, what are some of the trends that you're seeing there? Students would be one. You know, when we look at the St. John's market in particular, the students, um, we've also grown our team there from a leasing perspective. Um, but I'd say that's one of the, the biggest factors um, in that market. We're seeing some employment. <clears throat> pardon me. We're seeing some employment gains as well, especially in St. John. Um, the Irvings are very busy, and, and they built a new office building, and they're seeing um, an uptick in their in their employment for sure. So that's going on. I think forestry is doing well, relatively speaking, and that's another contributor to what's going on in the marketplace. There's the economically all all major three centers three major centers in New Brunswick are seeing good activity. But as Dale said, a big part of it is um, returning students is certainly helping the market. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, and I guess you know more broadly, how should we think? Um, I guess right now the mark to market uh, opportunity uh, for each of your major markets uh, right now. Overall. We'd have about a 15% mark to market. We'd say kind of coast to coast on average. Some markets are better than others. Uh, the Halifax market continues to be strong. As um, mark to market, I think also Newfoundland's come back in a big way. St. John's surprisingly strong. And so I think there's an opportunity now as the market tightens up to see some gains there. And Brunswick's been a big winner this last year. It really has been. And so there's probably more opportunity there. Um, you know. Not so much in the West. But certainly those on our, you know, when we look at the Kitchener Waterloo's in Toronto and Lon London's another one. I mean, those Ontario markets, of course, we're seeing that as well. So it's always a question of where where do those units turn <laughs> and how long is it going to take to be able to. Right. 
right, for sure. Uh, and I guess if we were to move to the west side um, with Alberta, I guess there was a little bit of a pickup, I guess, with the rental incentives. But how has that trended since Q2? Are you seeing some improving conditions there? Since we are. Q2? Okay. Yeah, better leasing in the downtown. And downtown Calgary is uh, made a good game. We've had a, some staffing improvements, and we're seeing the market get uh, it's stronger. Yeah. I mean, as an indication, I mean, we started the year with our new development that we were part of the building of it, but buying the remaining part the 1st of January, and we leased up 233 units in six months, and that's awesome. suburban sort of northwest Calgary. And the vibe in downtown Edmonton also has done well. It's um, it's come on strong since uh, since the end of the quarter. Okay, uh, that's helpful. And I guess maybe just switching gears, uh, last one for me, um, to the acquisition side of things. Um, how are you thinking? I mean, you guys obviously have had a very busy Q2, but um, what do you think the pipeline is looking like uh, for the remainder of the year, given you know how competitive um, some of the pricing environment is right now? I mean, there there is good sort of supply in terms of what is being offered or is about to be offered right across the country. Um, but as you also mentioned, um, it's very, very competitive. Um, so uh, we've got um, are basically our eyes on a couple other um, opportunities in Ontario and out west, and um, we're even looking here in the land of Canada again at a couple opportunities. Okay, no, that's helpful. Thank you very much. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Your next question comes from Matt Kornack with National Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning. Um, just a, a quick follow-up on, on the last question with regards to the pipeline. It, it seems like you're saying there's still a fair bit of product on the market, but have you found that as uh, – the operating environment has gotten a little easier and, well, who knows what happens with capital gains, but the, that some of the private sellers have, have shied away from selling, or is it still the same sort of volume of, of acquisition well, opportunities that um, we saw? The number of opportunities is probably greater, but it's not the sort of the, the mid-sized portfolio opportunities that were available between reporting first quarter and now. So those are all have sort of been digested and basically bought or under contract or closed. So when I talk about opportunities, you're back to looking at single asset opportunities in these markets. Okay, no, that's fair enough. And then on on the affordable housing focus, so you noted, uh, so you have 828 units, 5% of the portfolio, you want to grow it by 20% by 2025. Um, is that going to come in the form of acquisitions, or, or would you potentially develop new product or even add affordable units to, to existing development projects? Just interested in how you scale um, the affordable housing component. I, I think it's going to, sorry, I think it's going to be both. For instance, um, once we start um, our first phase of Westmount, that will have an affordable component um, attached to it. Um, we're looking at opportunities um, that have affordable um, housing already there that you can buy from existing developers. And um, you know, even on the drawing board, we've got a couple more that we'd be looking to see if we can um, make that affordable or a portion of it as well. Thanks, and uh, congrats on a solid quarter. Thank you. Thank you.
Your next question comes from Yash Sanktel with Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, just want to better understand your uh, development projects. So those three projects that are fully leased now, what was your pro forma leasing period? What, sorry, you asked what was our pro forma leasing period? Like what was, yeah, what were we modeling before? Oh, you know what, I mean, I, we probably, even from a budgeting point of view, um, eight months in all of them. Okay. Um, and given this leasing success, how much uh, NAV impact uh, do you think, could you give us some numbers, like in terms of what you paid or your cost versus, you know, how much uh, lift you expect from, you know, just the mark-to-market? So are you talking about like the the increase three projects. in the value? Yes. Yeah. Well, we're we're still working on that. I mean, basically, I mean, what we have to do is get it stabilized. And again, like you know, we have them fully leased, but up and running. We got to get basically um, go through the at least the full cycle in terms of the operating expenses, and some of them vary because they've got solar power um, on the roof, and, and we're just trying to figure that out. But once we get that, I mean, we're expecting fairly good lifts from the cost yield versus what they're worth from an IFRS point of view. So would that uh, be between 25 to 30%? Um, 25 would be about 125 basis point difference in cap rate. Is that, I think that's kind of where it goes in. And I think okay. some of them we've already taken some lifts, just to be clear. So when we're doing development, we would take some lifts throughout the process. So um, some, of, some of those increases have already flowed through from the fair value. Um, you know, once we hit certain, um, we start developing and we hit certain hurdles, we'll start taking some of those gains. So there is still some to be taken, but some of it has already flowed through. So with all of our developments, um, you'll see that come in through throughout the piece, and then we'll kind of wait for the final, you know, once we've had it for a yeah. year and see what those rents actually end up being, what the margins end up being, that we, uh, yeah, no, uh, take that last. The accounting part, I'm not too worried. I was trying to understand real Im economic impact between the cost you paid and, you know, the value you will get after these projects are yeah. fully stabilized. Well, and I think that we a lot of that information is disclosed when you look at our developments, you know, what our actual yield is that we're expecting versus the cap rate. Um, uh, I believe it's on the slides generally for the developments that are down the pipe. So those kind of spreads, um, yeah, we do include right. that. Those are expectations. I, I mean, this is actually happening. So, okay. so for the end of Q3 or reporting then, we will give exact sort of numbers of what we think we're going to be able to do on the sort of the increase in, in value of those three properties. Okay. And now given, you know, the success you have had with these projects, is your outlook about your development strategy changed anyway? Like, do you want to take on more projects or do you want to accelerate your existing 
pipeline? Any change in your view? Well, I, I think we've been actually, that thought basically occurred to us a number of years ago, which is translated into the five current ones that we're doing. So in terms of the dollar, the overall dollar amount of those three compared to the five that we have basically in the ground today, and a number of them that are going to be finished within 12 months, as I said earlier, um, you know, it's $240 million of cost and we've, we'll have $60 million of equity in the ground. And um, through the slide deck, I mean, you can sort of see what, we, what we're thinking in terms of, of sort of creative value just from those five projects. So our share is 500 units. And then in behind that, from our pipeline, we've got the next three or four that we're working on now. So as we finish up this batch or round of these developments, we'll have a number, a, number, a, a number of new ones hopefully started in the next 12 to 18 months. And uh, do you have any internal you know, threshold that you don't want to cross in terms of how much um, investment you put in, in your development bucket? Well, we've always lived by it's less than 4 or 5% of the balance sheet. Okay. That's good color. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Um, I would like to thank everyone today for listening and participating on our second quarter call, and we look forward to reporting our results in November um, on the uh, results of our third quarter. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.